The Trek Files, Season 9, Episode 17, The Crypt, Story by Harlan Ellison, January 8th, 1987. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Welcome back, all you Star Trek fans, all you Star Trek historians. Oh my, you're especially going to love this. Everyone will love this. Everybody across the spectrum of Trekophiles, spelled with an F. We've got a real doozy for you today, a real, a real nugget. I'm so, I'm so glad this crossed our radar, and I am so thrilled to have our guests back with us this week that you've, you've heard recently. Look, um, if you are a veteran of the Trek Files, you know what to do. Check out our Facebook page where we, you know, we're not just a podcast. We're a podcast with homework. <laughs> The good kind. And all of our documents that we're talking about are right there every week at facebook.com slash the Trek Files, along with one of the many links to our audio, as you found out, discovered already. But look, check this out. You're not going to believe it. And what's more, we've got a second layer to bring to it this week with our special guest. So take a listen to the audio sample, and then I'll be right back with this week's special guest. Investigating the planetoid, so small it has no name, only a number, Data, Troy, and Sternhagen find a tunnel to the world's center. At the center of the planet is a research complex, but it has been partially destroyed by the meteor strike. Sternhagen is excited at the find because this will give us a great deal of new information about the Arvillians. Further investigation reveals six Arvillian scientists frozen in a state of suspended animation. They are thawing out even as we watch. The machinery here was set to reawaken these individuals whenever anyone returned to the complex. Ooh, such a mystery. Such a mystery. And yes, you can read the you can read the title here. It's a story by Harlan Ellison, January 1987. It's a pitch to early day next generation era. That's where we are today, but obviously never produced. Oh, there's such a story behind this. And you know what? I am so thrilled to have back as our guest this week, a good friend of the show. You know him from the once and former Eagle Moss Empire, the little ships. Take care of those little ships, Ben. Ben Robinson, it's so great to have you back with us. Um, you, This was a twinkle in your eye, and you, I had seen this, and you brought it back to me. Uh, we were talking. Uh, I'm so glad you did. So what, 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 what struck you as you... As you well, tell the story of this. Uh, well, so like you, I've been through Rod's drawers, <laughs> and you're like looking, and you go, ah, yeah, pitch, pitch, uh, Harlan Ellison TNG story. And you're like, what? I, I mean, I didn't know Harlan was even talking to Gene after City on the Edge of Forever, let alone. Well, yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, this is not the, the story we were told. And, and there it is. There's a pitch from Harlan. Uh, way early. I mean, this is like January, so they start talking about TNG in, or Gene and Bob and all those guys start talking about TNG in October. And you can tell reading the, there's some elements that I want to get to that are interesting, but it's it's totally of a of a time and place in the development of early TNG. They haven't, yeah, yeah I mean, the, the right final with barber, yeah, yeah, right, yes, with oh yeah, definitely. Right with the Y, you know. Right, right, right. No, the away envelope and all that, but I mean, just for context, so the final, they went through two, three editions of the writer's guide as they evolved it, 
But that was March. They were casting in April. They started shooting in uh, May, June on the pilot. So yes, this is this is part of the, as we push forward, we have to have some scripts in the hopper because it wasn't a case of selling the pilot, right? The Star Trek pilots are always just premieres. They're not real pilots that are the calling card to sell the show. So they were already up and, and taking pitches like that. And of course they turned to Harley. But I, I'm going to say this real quick. If you're a fan of Star Trek in the first 30 years of fandom, you know uh, Jimmy Doohan has a secret pocket for his cigarettes on his original. You know um, uh, Shatner would hide Leonard's bike all the time. And, and the other thing you knew is Harlan's enormous decades-long fight over his City on the Edge of Forever script and how he supposedly wasn't talking to anyone at Star Trek about it. So yes, this is a shock to find. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Dorothy had come in in December. Mm -hmm. So this is January. So Dorothy had officially joined the show in December, which is when they start really gearing up. And obviously they're going out and talking to everybody who had been involved with the old show. They're like, okay, who wrote the greatest ever episode of Star Trek? Ah, oh, it's Harlan. Like it or not. Let's get him in and see if he's got something. I, I, I can only assume that's what happened. Well, let's see if he will talk to us. But now what's, what's fun also is to remember that he was called into pitch earlier than this, in the 70s. He has a famous story he tells about going into pitch when they're, when they're madly looking for a Star Trek movie. And even before the Star Wars, uh, that, you know, we, the last time you were on the show, we talked about this. Even before there was the priming for, quick, get a sci-fi out there. They were talking about bringing Star Trek back based on its own merits of the fandom taking off. And it's not a dead show. And Harlan has the famous story about trying to pitch a story to some Paramount producer. And, and Van Daniken had just come out and Chariots of the Gods was a big thing. And he said, yeah, but can we involve Aztecs in it? And it's his, you know, it's his uh, metaphorical tale about how stupid it is to try to go in and pitch something when movie people especially are going to steer you away and how how he's just so upset with the whole hollywood business and please let me go be a creator so on one hand we have that famous 30-year story that he loved to you know till the end almost about his love-hate affair with star trek but again what is it money calls fame calls maybe uh, or, or maybe he doesn't blame dorothy and he doesn't blame bob um right and they ask i don't know fresh um, start i mean you know you know everybody's dead now we can't ask them um but I guess he comes in and he pitches a story. I mean, it, there's a bit more to it than that, as we'll get into. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, how extraordinary. And the same, I mean, the other person, John Black. John Black also, and I knew John pretty well. John will tell you how much he disliked Gene um, at length. <laughs> um, and he also pitches and tells the story, which actually gets made, which is, you know, mm -hmm. um, justice. Though it's very different to the story that um, John sold them. Yes, Harlan pitched the story. And, you know, we obviously know it wasn't produced. They didn't buy it, mm. despite it being a Harlan piece. And as, you know, on the surface, it's okay. It's kind of a, it's not overly ambitious. It seems almost like a bottle show with a lot of sets and guests. I mean, it's a very contained yeah, I mean, concept. Yeah, it's very, uh, it's, it's very high concept, I guess, mm -hmm. in that it's very, it's very Harlan in that way. But I have to say, I don't think you'd say it was Harlan's finest piece of work. No, no. It almost feels like uh, it's an idea he's had for a while. Uh, you, it's funny <laughs> that you say that, because the thing that's really strange about all of this is that there's very little documentation in the files, but, you, you know, there's the script and there are people. And at no point does Dorothy say, um, I bought this idea from Harlan before. 
um, because mm-hmm. she had been the story editor when Harlan had sold an incredibly similar story to Logan's Run. And we should stop and say, no, no, not Logan's Run, the film. Mm-mm. The short-lived 13-episode uh, TV show that you and I remember watching when we were young. And see, I... <clears throat> okay, I did not... I remember seeing Logan's Run on the cover of Starlog magazine when Starlog was fresh, thanks to the Star Wars boom, really. But I didn't... I didn't... I was, I was distracted. I didn't watch the show. And it was... Yes, and it was mercifully short. And, you know, Michael York and Jenny Agutter were the film. The film made an impact. But again, it was in that very 70s pre-Star Wars kind of vibe and feel to it. And it was high concept. Very 70s. Right, right, right. So what's amazing to me is someone was, and it was NBC, and someone was really stretching to bring a sci-fi show to TV. And I, I guess I've read that they uh, resurfaced all the, they, they, they got a deal <laughs> on all the costumes props. They started off with a little help there. So... I, I got that this is available. I watched this episode for la, for for our talk today, and well, what did you think? Uh, well, I I watched it six months ago, um, mm-hmm. and I, I I didn't even know that this was going to be the same story. So I I had read the story that was in the vault, uh, and then I for totally different reasons. I'm thinking, you know what? I I remember watching Logan's Run when I was seven. I don't know. Um, I'm going to have another look at it. And I'm watching it, and I'm like watching this episode. It's written by Harlan. It's like okay, cool, written by Harlan. And then I get, hang on a minute, this is the same story. This is the story that Harlan mm-hmm. pitched to TNG, like ten, eleven, whatever it is, years later. Um, and yeah, it's very, it's a very unexpected thing. It's like a, <laughs> a weird kind of synchronicity that you're like, uh, you know, how many people? I mean, uh, you know, come on, how many people knew that Harlan had pitched this story to TNG? Not, not many. I'm one of the few um until today um right. and then and then you're watching it and go hang on a minute he's he's just re rehashed something he sold to logan's run 10 years earlier and i had seen this and i thought oh a harlan pitch and i thought yeah it's a little pedestrian okay and i had set it aside for when we have someone to talk about harlan and you're the one that said well this was a, this was an episode of logan's run which again i i watched for the first time Dorothy was the story editor. She was the one that I guess bought it from Harlan then. But oh boy, watching those Logan, at least the episode I saw, and according to IMDb, The Crypt is the second highest watched or second rated. Because it's second Harlan, obviously. Rated. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's the Harlan star quality. But um, it's it just, you know, Dorothy Fontana, much less Harlan Ellison, cannot save a series. And it just it's just sad to see. The, qual- the production quality they're putting into it and the, the casting and it's just, it, you get an idea it was doomed for the start. But what the other thought I had was that watching that, um, all the people, all the very well-intentioned young viewers who say it's hard for them to watch the original series from the 60s now because it's so 60s. <laughs> I want to say kids watch hey. Logan's run in the 70s what? because mm-hmm. the only thing worse than 60s sci-fi was maybe 70s sci-fi. <laughs> It was just creaky, I guess, is a good yeah. word for it. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, I mean, I, I actually think it has some things to recommend it, but it is very much of its time. Um, it, it doesn't stand. I mean, and you know, you realize how good the original series was. I mean, you exactly know, it, in comparison, ten years earlier. Yeah, yeah, it's not in that league. It's not in that league. I mean, and even an episode written by Harlan. There is a a better episode than this. A couple episodes before that, written by David Gerald. So it's very much a kind of, you know, it, it's an mm-hmm. old Star Trek alumni show, 
you know, Dorothy's working on it. David comes in and does the story. Harland comes in and does the story. You know, it's 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 an interesting piece of history for those of us who who uh, like to try and put all the jigsaw pieces together. Well, it's uh, and we should note that the uh, the Logan's Run script, Harland sold the story. They actually have a writer, Alfred Hayes, who did the teleplay. Um, so we can't <laughs> we can't as if we could lay it all at Harland's feet anyway. We even can't lay the the um, final script, and I. I wonder how, I, I don't know, He's he wasn't too upset to go with Cordwain or Byrne. No, and he didn't sue Logan's Run, as far as I know. <laughs> so, you know, but, but, but actually, I mean, should we tell people what the story is a bit? Because I just realized we're talking about this and it's like, what are we talking about? So a basic story, which is a little bit strange because there's mm -hmm. this character called Sternhagen or Sternhagen, and, and she's just like, the main character from the TNG cast. And you're like, who is she? And why do we never see her again? And what's going on here? Um, but they they go to this planetoid. They discover these people who've been mm -hmm. in suspended animation. Um, they accidentally wake them up. This is familiar territory for Star Trek. Um, <laughs> and then there's a whole kind of plot line about how they can't all survive with the life support. It won't be mm -hmm. enough for all of them. Someone's going to have to die. So it's kind of like, a, you know, we're going to draw straws. How are we going to do it? What decisions do we make? Then one of these people they've woken up murders one of the other ones. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a whole little bit of a murder mystery thing. And then it turns out that these people who they've woken up were all weapons merchants or weapons inventors. And they like go, well, you know, you all deserve to die. <laughs> But we're not going to decide who you decide. We're going back to the surface, which is, you know, I mean, I can you can see why they didn't buy it. Well, it is. It's a little downer. I mean, it's it's, you know, the best. In, I don't know. A private little war ends on a downer. They can't solve. They can't. You know, but I don't this have is a problem with downers. War. It just doesn't really, you know, it's like a, uh, if, if there's no kind of the idea that they just go, oh, well, you decide who you're going to kill. Our people show up, stand around for a while, and then leave. Yeah. Well, Basically. yeah. I mean, and, and but also they, they kind of just take this kind of moral decision that, oh, well, you're all weapons inventing murderers. Um, <laughs> you know, you decide, you decide who's going to die. Um, and, I, I, you know, you can kind of get the vibe that Harlan's going for, but it's not a very Star Trek attitude to take to people. Like, no. the, not my problem is, is not a kind of uh, Star Trek a thing. I mean, if anything, they're like, oh God, it's a problem. No, not God, because they don't have God. But uh, oh dear, it's a problem. What do we do about it? You know, what this is a moral dilemma, and we struggle with the moral dilemma. We don't just go, ah, your problem. Well, I'm sitting here thinking, if he pitched this originally to Logan's Run, and it was in some form, you can see the bones, even mm. though he didn't do the script. But yeah, it's yeah. you know, Logan's Run is. I mean, for all the glam of it, it's it's basically dystopian there's been a war different sections of the globe have reacted to a huge you know whatever thermonuclear war in it's america ways. yeah and it's and they're basically the fugitive on the run they're they're yeah. uh you know i mean it makes more sense than logan's run it you know it's a kind of um post nixonian you know <laughs> life is bad people in authority you have to treat them with a bit of suspicion you know right. and things are out of your control and you know life doesn't life doesn't work out but I, I'm even sitting here thinking, if it's a puzzle, if it's a high concept puzzle, it doesn't even feel like a good like Twilight Zone. No, I, there's just not enough there. There, it's not clever enough. Yes. I mean, for someone as clever as Harlan, I mean, you know, that's a high bar. But yeah, you can see why they don't buy it. What this really struck me as, and I don't know how it was for you, but when I was, I just remember junior high, maybe early high school. Um, 
those those puzzles you've got 10 people in the life raft you've got 10 people mm. in the nuclear shelter and there's only enough provision for four of them and who's going to you know and you're into these things about how are you going to repopulate the world and you've got to have do you have to have young women to have you know to reproduce and do we keep anybody old around or the old people have all the genius and i it, it's i don't know what the status of those things are if they went out of fashion but that's that's what this really strikes me as only when you I'd really, I'd really rather read the story than watch the Logan's Run episode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, I mean, what is true, if you think back to the 1980s, I mean, you know, we all lived in the shadow of a nuclear holocaust. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We all kind of thought it was going to happen. Um, and the idea that some small group of people maybe would survive and go on into the future, that was pretty current. And I think we all kind of accepted that, I guess. So it's, it is a story that maybe makes more sense in that 1945 to whenever Glasnost really kind of kicks in um, era, but it's still got it's still got problems. I mean, you know, uh, I mean Sternhagen, not the least. It's like, oh yeah, I just invented a character who is now going to be a big part of the story. I just keep reading it, thinking, and and what's the point? And what's really mm. another paragraph? I can imagine what watching this. Well, I did imagine what watching it was like, but it's like another another paragraph of this, and finally it's yeah, the end is not really an ending. Making weapons is bad. That's the point. <laughs> People who make weapons are bad. You know. If anything, this at least now it's interesting. This is midway again. Just little touches. They're talking about the landing envelope, which mm. is going to be a thing about how we deal with non-class M planets and yeah Riker with a Y and just oh this would be Asian data as well it, yes exactly it was also interesting that Logan's run from 1978 that they still said data because we hadn't had next generation in Patrick's pronounce, uh, pronunciation of it yet and, Patrick's and, perfectly and, correct pronunciation I, I know on this side of the pond we still said <laughs> <laughs> we still said data anyway I uh it's it's a it's a wonderful little relic uh you know again not just that a Harlan pitched a story that wasn't bought. Oh my God, really? Why not? But uh, it was a recycle from Logan's <laughs> run. And the, yeah, you're right. Dorothy Dorothy kept her mouth shut about it. I think, yeah. I don't know, what do you think? That Dorothy thought, look, 17 people saw it in 1978. It's like nobody saw it. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, come on. They just did Naked Now. Um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, which they knew people had seen. Um, yeah. So I guess they thought, yeah, I mean, exactly that. There were no... You know, there were no streaming services. There was no way to watch repeats, you know, and you couldn't you couldn't go. And even in 1987, I don't think you could go and buy Logan's run on, on VHS. How many? No, no, not, no. And how many people? Yeah, there was no money demand for it. How many people actually in 1987 knew outside of Dorothy and Harlan? That this had been. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Alfred Hayes well, himself that wrote this telephone. Yeah. He died in 1985, so he wasn't around to say, hey. Yeah, he's not going to come and complain. Yeah, but yeah, I yeah. guess, I mean, I guess the thing is maybe we don't have all the documentation. So maybe Dorothy went in and said, you know, I know I said we should bring Harlan in, but frankly, we bought this story from before and it wasn't very good then. So we yeah. don't know. I mean, there's just too much we don't know. But it is just this fantastic kind of like jaw drop moment. You know, mm -hmm. like Harlan pitched to TNG. How different would that have been? And maybe he would have done another episode if this had gone down. You know, I mean, who knows? Well, and it says something about Harlan again, that uh, for all the bluster and the storm and drang and the melodrama of the great city, 40 year, 50 year debate. Uh, he was still a writer that <laughs> needed to bring in a paycheck. Mm. And, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wanted yeah. to work. Oh, this has been fun. Uh, ben, thank you so much for, um, you know, putting this on the radar and uh, especially the Logan's Run end of it. And finally, and making me finally watch an episode of <laughs> TV Logan's Run. We should talk about Fantastic Journey as well. 
<laughs> yes. Speaking of Trek folks involved, uh, we'll we'll save that for the future. Sometimes, some way, we'll find a Trek connection. Yeah, there'll be a connection other than Dorothy. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Ben, for joining us again. Um, and you know what? We're going to be watching, hopefully, for that great Eagle Moss. However, it takes whatever it takes. Some kind of uh, revival for all of our little ships and all of our big books and everything that we love that you've been working on lately. Hope, hopefully, that works out well. I hope so. I mean, I keep telling everyone the announcement is imminent, but it is. Um, there are lots of people. It just takes time, you know. And and also, when the announcements announcements plural um, go live, everybody wants to be able to answer everybody's questions, and at the moment they can't. So um, soon. I keep saying soon, but it will be soon. Will well, be really soon. Having to say soon, soon, soon is much better than saying there's nothing there. The uh... <laughs> yeah, that that's always the problem is that you know people say, oh, don't say anything because we can't we can't answer all their questions, we can't promise anything or whatever, and it's like, well, yeah, but there are people sitting there with half-built enterprises, and they're like, do you want to throw this away or what? Mm -hmm. um, the answer mm -hmm. is don't, don't keep it, keep it. There's 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 more coming, and there will be news soon. Well, thanks for joining us again today, and thanks for that little bit of an update. And hopefully, uh, maybe time will will pass us by, and we will uh, we'll have updated. By news. the time you hear this, there will be an announcement. No, I don't. Right, right, soon, right, right. Soon. It'll Fingers be soon. crossed. Fingers <laughs> crossed. <laughs> thanks so I'll much again. Back. I'll come okay. back with those news. Okay, I'm going to hold you to that. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. All of our documents and your chance to comment, of course, please do, are available at facebook.com, The Trek Files. For more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. Yes, that's me, at larrynemichek.com. That's where you can link in for all of our new Trek Files swag and shirts, too, at our Tee Public shop. Trek well, everybody. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.